be seated. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a series called Life Apps. And uh, most of you, you you've, you're using apps, all right? You're on your phone, your mobile device, and, you know, they help you a lot. They help, you know, help you get where you're supposed to be, all right? Give you directions. They help you where you shop. Uh, they maybe help you get up in the morning, those kinds of things. But you know what's more amazing than those apps are the life apps that God has given us. Uh, he has written to us a love letter. He's given to us a manufacturer's manual. He's told us the things that if we do them, as James, the book of James says, uh, then God can work in our lives and really bless us and do great things. Uh, we started the first week. It was about the freedom app. Uh, God's given us, uh, he's told us not to do certain things because those things would make us a slave to sin and uh, destructive habits. And so the freedom app. Then the second week, uh, we talked about the, the forgiveness app. Pastor Mike talked about that and how God tells us to forgive others as Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Then last week, uh, it was a tough one, the confession app, all right? Something none of us want to do, but you know, there's a great promise. God says, if you'll confess your sins, then you can be healed emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and physically. So, now today, I'm really excited about uh, today's app, okay? And this, this one's amazing. And uh, to demonstrate, maybe to get started, I'd really like to demonstrate how important this is. So I need a volunteer. Now, how many of you would like for Kevin Lowe to volunteer? All of you would like that. Okay, so Kevin, did you, are you here? Did you leave? Kevin, you're trying to sneak out. Look at that. He was trying to sneak out the door. Thank you, Kevin. Come on up. We really appreciate your volunteering for this. All right? Now, yeah. Now, most of you know Kevin because he's the guy that sits at the keyboard. You know, he's just a fantastic musician. Plays a keyboard and a guitar and a viola and great voice and all that kind of stuff. But that's uh, maybe the, the extent of what you know about Kevin. But he's got a lot going on in his life, and he volunteered to help me this morning, all right? So uh, what I did, uh, first thing, this is very important. Um, would you sign this insurance waiver? We would really, really appreciate that, okay. I don't think he'd sue the church, but you can't be too careful these days, so we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. All right, let's put this here. Now, Kevin is married, all right, and he has a lovely wife named Stacy. She's actually back there at the soundboard. She may cut off the sound in a minute, but <laughs> Kevin likes to keep that with him to remind him how lucky he is, all right, as a married man. Now, he's also got a job, okay, so he's got to, to take care of a business, and so he's on the computer quite a bit uh, with his work. So, uh, all right, now, to demonstrate your life, would you start walking? Uh, just walk in place, okay, nice leisurely pace, because that's how your life is, you know, it's like a walk in the park, you know, just every day. Okay, keep walking now, all right, very good. All right, now, Kevin has two children, okay? has a girl named Stacy and a boy named Matthew. Here, would you take care of those? Oh, excuse me, sorry, okay. All right, I'm sorry, you take care, better care of them than that, I know. All right, so he's, he's cruising along there. Now, if you're, if you're married and you have kids, then there's things that have gotta be done. So 
Uh, Stacy, I'm sure, like my wife, does a to-do list for you, okay? You know, things you gotta do today, all right, so we'll do that. And you need uh, maybe something to put that in, so we'll put those there. Oh, by the way, they have two kids, but a third one's on the way, all right? I just made that up, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. It's not true, all right? We'll just put the third one in here, all right? Good, all right, that's good, all right. Let's see, now what else we got? Oh, now, Kevin, he has to keep his girlish figure, doesn't he? So that means he's got to exercise, all right? So, man, you're having trouble here. Maybe if we could do this, all right? Don't drop your wife. You can drop the computer, but don't drop your wife. In fact, let me just take your wife here. No, I mean, take the picture of your wife, all right? And then, well, maybe take, here. Let's just dump these in here. They're not doing anything anyway. All right, you need some exercise. So if you could do some curls there, that would be good, all right? And, oh, yeah. He's going to exercise. He needs a ninja headband, all right? All right, let's, so let's get him all there. Now, are you blindfolded? No, that's good. That's good, all right. And a brother's got to eat, doesn't he? All right, so, but he doesn't have much time, so this morning he actually had to, you know, cruise through Mickey D's and pack his, and get a, a little bit of, and here's some hot coffee. Watch out, it's very, very hot. So. Okay, all right, now you're walking along, but you know, life is not that leisurely, is it? It gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster <laughs> and faster. Okay, all right, very good. Now, just the one last thing is, now, is there anything wrong with all this stuff that Kevin has, with the exception of the pink headband, maybe, all right. But is there anything wrong with any of those things? No, they're all good things. Thank you, Kevin, appreciate that, man. You, want, you can put all that stuff in there if you want. You know, and really, uh, that, that, uh, we didn't even cover all the areas of Kevin's uh, life, all right? And I'm sure it's that way for you, too. There's just a lot of things going on. And the longer you live, I'm glad you're not going to keep the headband, because that's mine. The longer you live, it seems like the faster life goes. Today, we want to talk about the app that God has given us. So that in the busyness of our life and all the responsibilities that we might take on voluntarily or involuntarily, God's got an app for us, something to keep us uh, from destroying ourselves because being too busy, too rest-deprived, exhausted people, that's what Americans are, busy, rest-deprived, and exhausted. And that robs us of the joy of life. How many of you this week, you just felt frustrated? It seemed like, where's the joy? I'm doing all this stuff, even good stuff. But it, it seems empty, and I'm not happy. You see, being too busy, it can rob us emotionally and uh, spiritually and you know, physically and relationally in every area of our life. And God cares about that. God cares about that. So this morning, we're going to talk about the app God has given us, the REST app. Our Heavenly Father designed this app for us, and it's important. And I want to tell you this. This is very important. 
God just doesn't recommend that we rest. He commands us to. He commands us to. So, to show you that, if you want to open up your Bible uh, to 1 Kings chapter 9 or go to your mobile device, your phone, whatever, your version app, that's the thing we're really enjoying here. It actually puts the sermon outline and scripture right on there. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, as you're turning to that, as you're finding that, I'll give you a little while. Uh, let me give you the background of this story. It's a story about a man named Elijah. He was a prophet, a prophet of God, and he lived about 900 B.C. Now, the king during the time of Ahab, excuse me, the king of Israel during the time of Elijah was Ahab. Now, was Ahab a good king or a bad king? He was a terrible king, all right? And one of the reasons was he was married to Jezebel, all right? Have you ever heard anybody that named their, their daughter Jezebel? No, it just doesn't happen. She was wicked, and she got all of God's people, all of the Israelites, worshiping her false god named Baal. And that was detestable to God, and it was detestable to Elijah. Elijah just couldn't take that. So one night he just stood and stood, and 5 o'clock in the morning he decided to tweet out, showdown at Mount Carmel tomorrow at dawn to see who the real God is. Hashtag Baal, fake God, fake news. All right? That's what he did. Well, next morning at dawn, 450 priests of Baal showed up. And, of course, so did the protesters, all right? And all they were all carrying, we want Baal, the God of fertility. Why did the Israelites want to worship Baal? Because he was the God of fertility. And the worship of Baal had temple prostitutes and sex orgies. And they called it religion. And a lot of guys said, yeah, that's for me. So at dawn, Elijah said, okay, here's what's going down. You Baal worshipers, you build an altar to your God, and I'm going to build an altar to my God, and then both of us are going to pray, and whichever God is the real God is going to bring down fire and burn up the altar, his altar. And then we're going to know, is it Baal, or is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that's the true God? So, and maybe you know this story, maybe you don't. The priests of Baal, they went first, and they prayed. They prayed all morning. They chanted. They even started cutting themselves, thinking that Baal would be uh, like their blood sacrifice. They did that all morning. They did that all, all afternoon, and nothing happened. And, and then, this is kind of like my favorite part of the story, Elijah started trash-talking. He started saying, hey, maybe Baal's meditating. Maybe he's deep in thought. He started mocking them. Maybe he's deep in thought, and that's why he's not answering you. Or maybe he's busy. Or maybe he's going to the bathroom, he said. Or maybe he's on spring break at Disney. I mean, he just you know, kept baiting them on. Or maybe he's sleeping, unlike my God, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Well, the afternoon was getting away. It was starting to get dark, and Elijah finally said, okay, time's up. It's my turn. But before I pray, before I pray to my God, I want you to do this. I want you to go get four large jugs of water and just douse the altar that I've built with a sacrifice. 
And they did. He said, now, okay, now do it again. Go get four more jars and do that. And then a third time, go get four more jars and do that. And when he finished, I mean, that altar was just sopping wet. And there was a, a, a trench around it. And that was all full of water. The altar soaked. And then the people are quiet. And Elijah prayed this. Oh, God, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God, Please answer me so that they may know that you and you alone are the one true God. What happened? A ball of fire rained down from heaven and consumed that altar and it lapped up all of the water. And the people saw this demonstration of the one true God and they were terrified and they they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah said to the 450 prophets of Baal, you're false prophets, you have deceived the people, you are destroying their lives. And when the people realized the deadly lie of the prophets of Baal, they killed all 450 of them so they wouldn't lead their children astray. And that brings us now to 1 Kings chapter 19. That's just all the story that happens. Now we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. What happened now? Now, Ahab, the king, he got the report of all this. He wasn't there, but he got the report. Now, Ahab told Jezebel. The king told his wife. He told her everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying this, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. I'm going to kill you, Elijah. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them, Jezebel swore she was going to kill Elijah. Now, you'd think that after Elijah, having taken down, having defeated, having killed 450 false prophets, would say something like, Hey, Jezebel. You want a piece of me? I mean, you're threatening me. I I just want you to know, Jezebel, you're not really threatening me. You're threatening Almighty God. But is that what Elijah did? No. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid. He was terrified. He said, or terrified, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant that was traveling with him. And he himself went alone, another day's journey into the wilderness. He went out into the wilderness, 120 miles away from Mount Carmel, where, where he defeated the prophets of Baal. He came to a broom bush, sat down under, and prayed that he might what? Die. Ever been where Elijah was? Ever said, I've had enough. I've had enough with my job. I've had enough with my family. I've had enough with life. I've had enough with my health. I can't go on. My work's killing me. My, wife, my life is overwhelming me. I can't take any more. And where does that come from? It comes from fatigue 
Do you know that busy lives produce stress? And too much stress takes us to danger zones, the danger zones of discouragement, which leads to depression, which leads to total despair. And the stresses of life get bigger and bigger. And our view of God gets smaller and smaller. What drove Elijah to this? What happened? He was exhausted. Can you imagine the energy that he exerted in that day against 450 prophets of Baal? First, uh, speaking to them, then then, uh, praying to God, then seeing the fire come down, then them killing those 450 prophets, and then the death threat on him. He was exhausted emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that's what happened to Elijah. And friend, that's what can happen to you and me. When we allow ourselves to get so busy, when we allow ourselves to get too busy in the life that God has for us. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. God loves you too much to let you stay there. God's not going to stand idly by and let us die emotionally and physically. So I want you to watch what God does next. All right, now this this is a surprise. This is shocking. It's so important to see what God does next because that's what God wants to do for you too. Chapter 19, verse 5. Then Elijah laid down under that tree in the wilderness and what? He fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, he drank, and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat again. For the journey, the journey of life that you're on is too much for you. Now, I've often, I often think about what I would do if I was God. And I know you're extremely happy that I'm not God. But I'm afraid that if I were God, I would give Elijah a pep talk. I'm afraid I would say to him, Elijah, you can do it. You can go on. There's no need to be depressed. There's no need to be afraid of Jezebel. You can do it, Elijah. You know what? I might have even gone further than that, like you or I may have done. We might then have given Elijah a rebuke. Elijah, where's your faith? What's the matter with you? You're you're supposed to be a man of God. You're being a wimp. Put on your big boy pants and get going again. But God didn't give him a pet talk, and he didn't give him a rebuke. What did he give him? A nap. Food, rest. He also gave him exercise. He said, get up and walk. And friend, I just think this is so important. Because I don't think this was a one-time thing for Elijah. I think God was saying to him, this should be the pattern and the cycle of your life. And I don't think he was doing it 
just one time for Elijah. I think he was doing it for you and for me. God did this to give us a pattern to follow so we don't burn out and get in depressed and discouraged and in despair. 1 Kings 19, 8. So Elijah got up and he ate and drank some more. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he went into the cave and slept again and spent the night. What's the pattern here? What's the life apt? A life apt that God has given us to ward off fatigue and frustration. God gave Elijah what? Sleep. That's the first thing he did. He put him to sleep. Then he gave him something to eat. Then he says, get up and start walking. And you see, God had Elijah repeat that pattern for the next 40 days. And what's happening in the process? One, Elijah is getting recharged. He's recharging physically with eating and sleep. He's recharging emotionally. He's recharging mentally. He's recharging spiritually. He's getting recharged. The second thing that God is giving him is a new lifestyle. He's saying to him, Elijah, you can't go on like that, abusing your body, abusing yourself, your family, with your work, with your schedule. I'm giving you a new cycle of life to work, eat, exercise, sleep. Friend, this, I believe, is one of the most amazing apps that God has given to us, the rest app. And isn't it something that, you know, we come to church and, and we hear, and this is, of course, part of my fault. We hear a lot of sermons about prayer. And we hear a lot of sermons about Bible reading. And we hear sermons about serving. And we hear sermons about giving. And we hear, hear sermons about outreach. But how often do we talk about the fact that God made our bodies so they have to rest? You ever thought about that? That God made your body so it has to rest? You can't go without sleep. God designed it so you sleep, you should sleep, about one-third of your life. Eight hours out of every 24. Isn't that amazing? And so we know that prayer and Bible reading and serving and giving are all important to the Christian life. Do we know that rest is? It's hardly ever mentioned. But God talks about rest in the Bible from cover to cover. First chapter. God created the world in six days, and then what did he do? Rest. Now, did God need the rest? I don't think so. He rested because you and I need it. He was modeling for us. Friend, God made rest. Not only the seventh day of creation, God made rest one of the Ten Commandments, didn't he? What's the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day. By keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. Now, God was not saying, well, boy, if you work 
on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, Sabbath, whatever, whichever day is your Sabbath. Okay, if you work on that day, you are sinning. Some people, they have to work. In the medical profession, you have to work on that day. That, that's not the essence of it. The essence of it is God made us to rest and to rest in him. Exodus chapter 20, it goes on. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed, blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Did you know rest is spiritual? It's holy. It's part of your Christian life. Jesus said the same thing in a different way. Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What was he saying? He said God made the Sabbath, or now what we call it, the Lord's Day, and we worship on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus was raised and, 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 and the like. But God made that day because we need rest. Now, we probably have the wrong definition of rest. When we think about resting, we think about doing nothing. Right? Well, that's not what rest is. Rest is what refuels our relationship with God and with others. And rest is what refreshes us and recharges us and re-energizes us. So yes, if you're sitting in the lazy boy and your eyes are closed and you're just sitting there and your hands and feet aren't moving or doing anything, you're doing something. You're recharging. When you're talking to God, you're doing something. You may not be moving around in anything, but you're doing something, something very important. When you're spending time with others, you may not be doing the work that you really would want to do or is crushing in on you, but you're doing something... Probably far more important than that. You're renewing that relationship. And see, friend, rest, it is a wonderful part of our life. God designed for us, and it's a gift we abuse. Right? We all do. I do. Marcus Buckingham is a researcher. He started with the Gallup poll people. And uh, he's on his own now, and he's a researcher and author. And he did a study. He took uh, 1,000 children, age, uh, grades uh, 3 to 12, all right? Grades 3 to 12. And those students, those children were asked this. If you were granted one wish that would change the way your mothers or fathers affect, excuse me, if you could change the way your mothers or fathers work, affects your life, what would that wish be? Now, most of us, I'm sure, would say, the kids said, work less. That's not what they said. The number one answer was that most children wished that their mothers and their fathers would be less tired and stressed from their work. And there's a difference. We need rest. We need rest to ward off stress. We need rest to refresh and re-energize and recharge. Friend, you're better 
when you get rest. That was true for Elijah, and it's true for you, and it's true for me, but there's two problems. And the first one is we don't rest like God tells us to, okay? And, uh, you know, one, technology has uh, brought some of this on because before the days of electric lights and so forth, people usually did get a nice full eight hours of sleep and they couldn't work because of dark. And so they rested more, but hey, that's no issue anymore with us. We can stay up till 12, 1, 2 in the morning, you know, with lights and electricity and, and mobile device and everything. We don't rest nearly as much. The amount of sleep and rest that Americans are getting continues to decline. And so we get frustrated and frantic with our hurried pace of life. We've got tons of things to do and tons of places to be and tons of people to see. We don't rest like God tells us to. And the second problem is we don't rest like Jesus did. All right? And again, I, I'm guilty. I know so much about this topic because I do it. All right? Matthew 4 has a great story. Matthew 14, excuse me, has a great story, a true story. One day, Jesus held church, all right? He's teaching the people. 5,000 people showed up. 5,000. That was just men, plus women and children. Now, he preached a really long sermon, like I do. And uh, the people didn't want him to stop like you do, you know, all right? And that was going on. But, you know, I mean, in addition, not just his preaching, he was healing people. And so this went on, on and on and on, all day. And they're out in the wilderness. They're uh, outside the delivery zone of Pizza Hut. And there was no food. And the people were famished. And, and the disciples said what? Said, send them home. What did Jesus say? No, we're going to feed them. And the only lunch, the only food they could find was a little boy's lunch of fish and chips. And Jesus fed that multitude by giving God thanks for that and by breaking and just kept multiplying. An all-you-can-eat seafood buffet right there in the wilderness. It was amazing. It was a huge miracle. And so, I mean, I mean, everybody is pumped. I mean, they just want this never to end. And, and the, naturally, the crowd wanted Jesus to keep on preaching and performing miracles, right? What did Jesus do? Matthew 14, 22. Jesus, it doesn't say that in this verse, but Jesus dismissed the crowd. And then Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, what did he do? He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus had worked hard all day. What did he need to do? Keep going? No, he needed to rest. Now remember, rest is not doing nothing. Rest is refueling our relationship with God. Rest is refueling our relationship with other people. It's what refreshes and recharges and re-energizes us. And Jesus rested. He refueled his relationship with God. He talked to his father. He listened to his father talking to him. He reflected on what his life was really all about. Not multitudes, okay? But carrying out his mission. He got rested. He got energized. 
And the next day, he got re-engaged. Jesus modeled this pattern of help for us. And that leads us to kind of like a bottom line for the rest app. Your life moves at a better, to a better place when you move at a sustainable pace. Your life moves to a better place when you move at a sustainable pace. Is the pace of life that you're living on right now sustainable? Can you keep it up without sacrificing relationships, without sacrificing your health, without getting frustrated and and frantic, without getting depressed? Can you keep it up? You see, there are seasons in our life where we have to forego (laughs) some rest, uh, maybe a couple hours of sleep or whatever. Is that your life? Tomorrow morning, I know what you're saying. I say, in those times we say, but I got, I got too much to do. Do you have more to do than Jesus? His job was to live and die for every person on the face of the earth, past, present, and future. That's a pretty big job. And tomorrow morning when you and I, we look at our to-do list, it, it'll be long, okay, But you know what? Be encouraged. There's going to be one job that was on Jesus' to-do list that won't be on yours. Be Savior of the world. Right? Now, if be Savior of the world is on your to-do list, then you need to see a therapist. All right? Yeah, you've got a lot going on. And at times you will feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. But Jesus literally did have the weight of the world on his shoulders. He was fully God, but he was fully human too. That means he got just as tired and just as stressed as you do. Now, if the Savior of the world, if the Son of God had to rest, then come on now. We do too. Jesus showed us a cycle of help we need. Work, rest, eat, exercise. What can we do? Here at uh, Sarasota Alliance, we talk about applying God's Word. We talk about next steps. What's the next thing I should do to help me do this thing instead of not doing anything about this thing? What's the next step? I want to encourage you to take this next step. Take a 24-hour Sabbath. Some of you have never done that. What are some things that would make it a real Sabbath, a real day of rest and refueling and recharging and re-energizing with God and with others? Do worship. You're here this morning. Praise God. God wants to renew you today by his word, by his Holy Spirit, by worship. Do get alone with God today. I hope today you're going to say God is the most important person (laughs) in my life and my eternity, so I want to talk to him and I want to listen to him, and I should get alone. Do get with others. I I encourage you, grow with others. See, we can come and just hear and say, well, that's a good idea, but I I don't know how to do that, or "Mm, I don't think I can. No, but when we get together with others, like in a small group or with our family or whatever, and talk about these things, that encourages us to do it. Do eat a good dinner. 
do take a nap if you like naps if you can sleep for you know 20 minutes and not wake, uh, wake up as grouchy as a bear do that okay do go for a walk and, and it doesn't have to be a walk to burn calories go out and look at creation and thank god for how great and awesome he is and worship him in doing that yeah okay guys you can watch a little bit of sports because that doesn't take any brain power you don't have to think or work or do anything like that okay if you can rest and re-energize in that god made the lord's day for you to enjoy for you to just say oh this is this is wonderful this is giving me new strength and energy for the week to come friend take a sabbath the whole day it's the lord's day that doesn't mean you have to to pray and, and go to church and, and and read the bible all day you won't but it means being totally aware of your god your father who loves you so much and wants to renew your life and your energy don't don't check your email and facebook and twitter before you go to bed tonight some of you have done that before Oh, I need to check my email before I go to bed. That is a huge mistake because there's going to be an email from your boss or a complaint from a client or criticism from a fellow Christian. And how are you going to sleep that night, tonight? Not good. That text or email will wait in the morning. And if you're refreshed, you're going to deal with a lot better than you are tonight when you're tired. And then tomorrow morning, when you wake up, don't grab your phone. Don't check up on other people. Check in with God. God, you've planned this. You created this day. You've planned this day. God, how are you going to how can you use me today? What, what great things do you want to do today? Because I, I want to do those things, God. God, I love you. And I want you to be first in my life. Take a 24-hour Sabbath. You've already started it. Continue it the whole day. Second thing, follow the pattern God gave and Jesus modeled. Rest. Worship. Work. Exercise. Sleep. Eat. Yeah, there's a pattern. There's a cycle of healthy things that God wants to do in our life. Because God loves you so much. And he's given us this app. This life app. This instruction on how our life, how we can be at peak performance. How we can stop uh, from destroying ourselves and destroying our relationships with fatigue and frustration and burnout. How we can be renewed and recharged and re-energized by our God. And enjoy the life that he's given to us and have the strength to serve us to do the things he created us to do would you bow with me please in prayer and friend but just while your head's bowed before we talk to god just let me say this to you you know every day we choose we choose to rest and re-energize <laughs> or we choose not to rest and to burn out and you may think you don't need rest Elijah didn't, and he paid the price. Jesus did, and he reaped the benefits. And it what comes down to it, rest is really about do we trust God or not? 
Do we trust God to do in us and through us more in the six days that we work and give one to Him and rest? Or do we think, no, I've got to do it all myself? No, you see, it's really about trusting God to do more than we can do in ourselves. Rest is trusting your Heavenly Father. The, the things He's designed our bodies to need and the things He tells us to do are absolutely the best things for us. And so, my friend, I urge you today to rest in Him. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're not sure you're going to heaven when you die, that's why God sent His Son. To die for your sins so that they could all be forgiven. And accept Him as your Savior and walk with Him as your Lord. Father, we just praise You for this amazing love that You have for us beyond our comprehension. And God, today and every day, we want to trust You. We want to rest in you, and we want you to use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.